0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Wednesday, February 14th. We have a 13-game NBA slate to break down today. It is not only Valentine's Day, everybody. Peel back the current a little bit. It's my 32nd birthday. Happy birthday to me. People always ask me, Mike, how do you spend Valentine's Day? How do you spend your birthday are you dating it? Not right now. I am married to the fucking game. So I will be breaking down bets. I'll be watching some hoops tonight. And I think everyone who is dating somebody or in a relationship or whatever you got going on, maybe you're married 20 years deep and you're still dating and and going strong. Here's my pro tip for Valentine's Day. Here is value obtained on February 14th. I used to always get my way because it's my birthday. So I would have the right to be like, we're not doing that. We're doing whatever. Celebrate Valentine's Day on the 15th. It is the biggest value hack in all of loving relationships because chocolate's 75% off, teddy bears instantly 75% off. You go out to dinner, no prefix menu with an overpriced thing and everyone else is surrounded. You get an empty restaurant. Nobody's out. You save so much money. You get all this value, and you really look twice as romantic if you do it right. So, a little birthday tip for uh, all you Valentine's Day celebrators out there. We have 13 NBA games to talk about today. I got action in six of them. We have some big bets on the board today. We have some moving numbers. We are going to break it all down. Let's get this thing popping. I'm excited to get shit done. You to type to observe. March, men are so much speakers, but today's November 23rd. Cause I'm loud in the blunt, yeah. I don't say what I want, yeah. Probably somewhere sunny, yeah. Foreign women in the sun, yeah. This all that I need. This all that I need. This all that I need. Come up, brothers, with me, Come my brothers, with me, And my mama's happy. This all that I need. All right. Instantly during the intro, we got some comments in the live feed. Showtime every time. Trying to tell me, he probably lives in LA because he's a Showtime Laker. He's trying to tell me that it won't fly to celebrate Valentine's Day on the 15th. Showtime every time. We know who wears the pants in that relationship. You got to take some power back, man. You got to show them the value obtained. Like I said, anyways, today, February 14th, we are going to break down today's 13 game NBA slate. But before I get started on all that, let me remind you guys the typical housekeeping. As always, make sure you are following me on Twitter at Fiddles Picks, which this is actually live streaming on right now. It's the first time I've ever done a slate breakdown live stream because I'm normally doing these at like two in the morning, and no one would tune in. Today I'm doing it at nine a.m. West Coast, twelve noon, happy lunchtime, everybody. I'm and uh, yes, yeah, so I figured I could actually do it live. We have some moving numbers to talk about. And then, of course, sign up for my free gambling newsletter, the fiddlespicks.substack.com. That is generally where I always send out my first bets of the day, my write-ups, free uh, giveaways, some fun stuff, fiddlespicks.substack.com. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at fiddlespicks. And, of course, if you are a fantasy basketball player, check out the Fantasy Basketball International website, Discord channel. You could sign up for their listener league, some great Uh, other voices in that space. If you need any help with waiver stuff, trade stuff, go check out fantasy basketball international. Okay. Like I do every Wednesday, we bring up the odd screen from FanDuel. I just think it presents the best to go through the live show. I like how I could highlight the odds. I like how I could bring down some of these stats and talk some betting splits and see the last five games. Not all of my bets are on FanDuel. I highly recommend that if you are betting and if you are tailing along, you sign up for as many sports books as possible so that you could always line shop the best line. So not all of my bets came in at FanDuel. I will be sure to point out where I submitted my bet, where the best odds currently are, and what the exact number that I got was. So let's start this 13-game slate talking about the Hawks visiting the Charlotte Hornets. Two teams that have been a little bit reeling this season. Two teams that we might have expected to have been a little bit better this season. And the first thing that I'm seeing right now is this key number on the seven. It's going to be hard to get this game to move off the seven because it is the most important number in NBA betting. It is the most common outcome in NBA games because it is that perfect threshold between a two-possession game, which is six on two three-pointers, or a three-possession game where you need to get up to seven. So when teams are down seven late, they won't foul. When teams are down five late, they will foul and they'll give the other team two free throws and a chance to get to seven. Or they're down six, the other team gets two free throws and maybe they miss one, make one, and they get to seven. So we see seven as the most important number in NBA gambling. That is incredibly important to know as you start going through these things. If you are obtaining movement from a six and a half to a seven, from a seven to a seven and a half, or moving the other way from a a 7.5 down to a 7, down to a 6.5. If you're getting CLV through those zones, those are the most valuable spots to obtain. It's like going to Valentine's Day dinner on the 15th. What are we even talking about? Uh, For this specific game, I have seen a bit of public action on Atlanta and a little bit of bouncing numbers to show it might be a reverse line movement, Charlotte type of spot. See, now at FanDuel, we could see the numbers here on the screen. 54% of the bets, 61% of the money. That looks good. That looks good. I'm not reading too much into that. When I look at VEASAN over at DraftKings and their their splits, 47% of the bets on the Hornets, 58% of the money on the Hornets. I actually think that tells a better story of the splits. Uh, it's probably relative to where these odds have been priced. Another thing to always remember when you're going through these things is why might FanDuel have splits sh- showing 61% of the money on Atlanta and why would DraftKings have splits to show 58% of the money on Charlotte? How can we read into that? Well, we need to understand contextually where these lines have been, right? If uh blah, 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 let me go to DraftKings real quick. But if FanDuel's offering This Atlanta Hawks at minus 106 juice, or possibly at 6.5, where it was before, then betters are going to go there as opposed to playing a minus 110 on the seven. Whereas if you're going to take the Charlotte Hornets, you're going to go play the plus seven at minus 110, as opposed to playing the plus seven at minus 114. So we need to contextualize the splits into the way they've been priced a little bit. I'm not reading too much into this. It's been kind of a flat market. It's pretty much sat there at seven the whole time. I am backing the Atlanta Hawks to make an improvement in the second half of the season. We know LaMelo Ball is going to be out at least through All-Star break. We'll see if he comes back even on the back end. I do think the Hawks are going to take that step forward. I don't know if it comes tonight on the road in a flat market at the number seven. For me, that's worth skipping. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't love it. Uh, I just wanted to point out the, the splits relevant, the key number that's relevant. A lot of that stuff is very important. Gambling information. Certainly a few people asked me on my Twitter what I thought of the Hawks minus seven. I don't hate it. I don't like it. I don't really have much of an opinion on it besides my money won't be there. Let's talk about the Knicks visiting the Orlando magic. The Orlando magic are on the second game of a home back to back, just taken on the uh, Thunder last night and lost. We've seen the Magic be seemingly the sharp side for both of these games. Now, I'm generally not the biggest Magic backer. I don't know whether that's personal bias that they burned me. I don't know if I'm still too low on Paolo. I don't know if I think they need to clean up the center spot and get in uh, maybe someone else besides Wendell Carter Jr., But I generally haven't been the biggest Magic backer, and the Knicks have burned me a lot. The Knicks are dealing with a lot of injuries. This line movement from Knicks plus one at the opening line to now a Knicks plus three and a half can be very related to some of the injury news that's come out and some of the guys who are or are not playing. So I'm pulling up the Knicks injury report right now as its latest up to date. OG obviously out. Randall out. Mitch Robinson out. We've known that. Uh, DiVincenzo listed as questionable hartenstein listed as questionable i don't see any word on brunson so maybe brunson's uh good to go now we have seen movement in this total and i've seen people i don't know if people asked me or if i saw it i don't know if it directly came to me but i think it did someone directly asked me is this reverse line movement on the over on 211 because the 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 number's been moving down or rather is this reverse line movement and you'd want to back the under in the total of this game because the number's been moving down despite money seemingly being on the over now i don't think so i don't think it's fair to call a line that's moved from 213 down to 211 or 24 i think it was even 214 and a half let me check the exact open 215 was the exact open for this, and it's moved steadily down despite being money on the over, and it's already a low number to 11.5 for a game in 2024, the NBA? is not 1990s anymore, fellas. Uh, to me, this is more injury pricing. To me, this is more forget the handle, forget what's already been bet on this game. We need to reprice this line appropriately for where it should sit in the market now. And so bringing that number down from 215 to 211, there's 210 and a half, there's 211 and a half on the board right now. This is hovering in. We don't know who's going to play. We don't know who's going to generate the offense. And this is where the line should be. So forget the splits. Do not read into it. This is not saying, hey, this is an underplay. Now at two eleven because there's money coming in on the over and it's still moving down and they're catching all these suckers. I don't think that's what's happening. I don't think that's what happens in general with reverse line movement. That's not how I contextualize it even happening. This to me is a repricing and it is important to establish the difference between those two things when it happens. Miami Heat taking on the Philadelphia 76ers. I think we've seen these teams face off in the playoffs like 117 times. Uh, in the last few years, Miami Heat clear sharp side for this game. Two things I want to talk about here: Miami Heat the sharp side, but we've moved through irrelevant numbers. We've gone from that plus four at some opens down to plus three point five. There was a few plus five opens. I think points bet opened at a plus five, and that was swooped up pretty quickly. Universal open was pretty much four, four and a half, and now it's down to three and a half. So we do know that there's some Miami money in the market and some sharp people on Miami. However, if I often talk about the key numbers in the NBA being seven as the most common outcome, five as the second most common outcome, six is the third most common outcome, and eight as the fourth most common outcome, memorize those, seven, five, six, eight, seven, five, six, eight, memorize it. Uh, Where does 3.5 and four sit in there? Did I just say those? No, I did not. So if we're moving from four, four or and a half down to 3.5, there's the, these, the numbers that you're still covering. The one is the 11th most common outcome in NBA games. The two is the eighth most common outcomes in NBA games. Do I have all these things memorized? Yes. Should you? Yes. Um, if we're moving through those irrelevant numbers, you're not obtaining much value in picking that off. So maybe do you want to just play a straight up money line? play Heat on the road, sans Embiid. I want to bring up the Miami Heat injury report real quick um, and see who's playing. Jimmy out, Rozier out, Josh Richardson out, Drew Smith. I don't know why they still put him on the injury report. I mean, he's tore his ACL. He's done for the season. Why is Drew Smith on the injury report? I'll give someone a, a, a nice giveaway if they could properly answer this question for me. Why is Drew Smith on the injury report from a torn ACL uh, in, like, the first week of the season? And LaMelo Ball, who's confirmed out until after All-Star break, isn't even on the injury report. And then I have to go look at the Hornets injury report and say, what's the, what's the newest words on LaMelo? Or what the fuck's happening with Mark Williams? I know my guy Josh Lloyd will very much agree that the Charlotte Hornets injury reporting is whack. Now Terry Rozier is in Miami. So we finally know that Terry's actually going to be out this game. If he was still in Charlotte, we'd be in no man's land. Um, do you want to still play the Heat Moneyline with Jimmy and Rozier out? Do you want to just play into the Jaime Jaquez, uh, Tyler Hero, Bam Adebayo trio? I mean, it's going against Maxie, Harris, B-Ball Paul. There's certainly no Embiid. Will be interesting. The other thing to talk about, I I have not played that myself. I just think it's worth discussing the key number there and whether or not you just forego playing the spread and then just take a money line. If you're going to play a plus 3.5 and you know one, two, and three are not the most common outcomes, you just say, okay, why pay minus 108 when I could just get plus 130 for the outright win? That's probably equal value and probably a little bit worth it in your favor, in my opinion, to just play money line. Uh, The over under 225 right now, very much a bouncing market. But the thing that I want to point out, and I've been mentioning this a lot in my writing, previous podcast, uh, going back to the beginning of the season, anytime Embiid would sit, we would see this offense run through Maxi and Harris, and it become more of a five out scheme. They'd play more small ball. You'd see moments of, I think Batum's out tonight, but you'd see moments of Batum at the five, Covington at the five, ball Paul at the five, uh, definitely some small ball lineups from the Philadelphia 76ers, which has led to a barrage of overs. Like their opening games, they are 32 and 21 to the over this year. So it's, they've, they've been cashing overs on the Philly side and the market hasn't been able to price it high enough. So it was just becoming a matter of when and not if. When are they finally going to start putting the 76ers total higher than expected? Because every total was taking opening value steam towards the over and the closing line was closing above the opening line. It was bread and butter for the last few weeks to take the Philadelphia 76ers opening over basically right away. And I want to point out, it seems to have been priced out. Last game, they took on the Cavaliers. Shorthanded Philadelphia 76ers actually beat the Cavaliers, but that game total opened at, I think, 230.5, dropped to 229, and then went back up and settled right there. Here, we're seeing the same thing. This opened at 224.5, dropped to 223 at some point. It's back to 225. We are not obtaining value by smacking and opening over on Philadelphia anymore. We're done with that. The market has caught up we recognized it. It has reached your resistance points. And we say thank you for your 32 and 21 so far. We've played a bunch of those. That is well part of our plus 65 unit season thus far. And if you've been with me for a while, if you've been listening to my pod for a while, you've heard me talk about the six different types of gamblers in the sports market. Six different types public. That's you schmuck fuckers who are doing parlays. Talking to you. Public trends bettors. Trends betters are the people who say Philadelphia 76ers are 6 and 0 in their last 6 towards the over, so let's take them in the over for the seventh. No. That's not how this works. Previous results don't indicate future results against a line that's predictive based on the few previous results. That stuff is all priced in to the given line. So we cannot use that to then forecast the next game. We could use that to forecast what the price of the line should be. Fine. I'm with you. I'm all ears. Let's have the discussion. But if we're going to say just because they've been winning, we should take it to win again on the over? No. No. I mean, I feel like people who bet the Pacers over under this earlier this season have realized it caught up. You can't just smack Pacers overs if it's at 256. Talk about the Pacers in a second. Uh, This has been priced out. This is worth skipping. And when you reflect on this trend, you say to yourself, well, I'm glad I realized it before we started screaming about it from the rooftops and then it not even being a real thing anymore. The best part of a trends better, the best thing a trends better can actually do is realize the trend before it's like, as it's happening and before it's developed, if you're a trends better and you're going back and citing nine and one in the last 10, then homie, you should have had been betting this for the last 10. I don't know if this is going to help you in 11, 12 and 13. It's irrelevant. Uh, I should redo that podcast. It was a fun episode. You can see I already get pretty heated about it. Uh, There's public schmucks. There's trends bettors. There's line movement cappers. There's people who have models. There's people who have systems. And there's the house. Don't ever get it twisted. That these sports books and the house is one of the acting gamblers in the market. There are times when the house and the book is willing to take a position and gamble a little bit there's a, a hundred like a, a gazillion times not a hundred percent but way too many times to count where the handle for a sports book is not going to be even so we'll see the guys like john ewing or jeffrey benson john ewing from bet mgm jeffrey benson from circa you'll see them tweet 60 of our handle is on the 49ers so we are rooting for the chiefs sports books are rooting for the chiefs or that's the backwards example sports books were rooting for the 49ers Um yeah, so like the house, the house definitely gambles. These are all different types of gamblers. Anyways, let's talk about uh Indiana Pacers at Toronto Raptors. I am on the Pacers minus 3.5 at minus 110 odds. You could definitely still find that on the board. Let's find where real quick. There is a minus 110 for the Pacers at Points Bet at bet 365. FanDuel just moved it up. Bet MGM apparently still has it. Bet Rivers is -113, DraftKings is -115. So go find a -110 on the Pacers side when this line opened at Pacers -2.5. I was like trap? Like what the hell is going on here? A little Siakam revenge game. A little put the put the montage of Pascal Siakam on the big screen got some teary eyes in the building, show the highlights of that title run with Kawhi and Marc Gasol and Lowry. She's being real weird. Uh, All right, hold on. I just screwed up my thing, trying to show Bronny on the screen real quick because she was doing something weird and sniffing the couch, but that's what dogs do, I guess and I screwed myself up. Anyways, Siakam's going to be in the revenge game tonight back in uh, Toronto. I don't really think it's a revenge game because he had such a fond time and fond memory from being there. Um, I just want to fix my screen real quick. I don't know what I just did. Okay. Um, this sucks. Good thing I'm doing this live, so I can't pause it and go fix it. Uh, Anyways, I'll do this without having all the screens up. 68% of the money, 74% of the bets early on the Pacers side. I was very confused. I was very much thinking this was a trap when it first opened at 2.5. So I waited. I waited. I waited. And I waited for market signals to start to tell me that I wasn't crazy and that playing the there we go. Fix the screen. Let's fucking go. And that playing the Indiana Pacers side wasn't going to be a trap. The Toronto Raptors have been reeling. Go look at their record since they traded OG Ananobi and uh Siakam. It is dreadful. Now, big fan of Scotty Barnes. I think he deserves to be an all-star. I think he should be top five in the most improved race right now. But this team sucks. RJ Barrett, not it. Quickly. Quickly was a quick run. Flash in the pan. We'll see if he could ever regain like a. People were expecting a maxi surgeons out of quickly. Uh, we were quick to judgment on there, pun intended. I like the I like the Pacers. I think they're playing really well. I don't think this is a trap now, given the line movement. We're seeing fours on the board. I would not be surprised if this close at four point five or five. I'll play the minus three point five in the same way that we talked about key numbers on the other side, and we said why play a plus 3.5 because you're not obtaining key numbers. Just play the plus 130 on the money line in the same vein. Why bother playing a minus 172? Why even bother with this when you could just play that? Like skip paying for a juiced money line to give you insurance points on numbers that don't matter. Generally speaking, The number closer to 110 is going to provide you the best value. And generally speaking, buying insurance points is not worth it. Selling points and gaining an escalator and a boosted payout can be more valuable than buying the insurance. You're going to cost yourself if you're playing a minus 172 money line versus a minus three and a half point spread. Just play the spread at minus 3.5. Paying 62 cents to get that minus 172 versus the minus 110 on the money line. I understand it's minus 112 right here, but you could go find a Pacers minus 310. I mean, minus 110. So that's, I'm assuming that you're getting that odds. And it's 62 cents on the dollar to play this money line. Skip it. Just play that. You're not, you know, you don't have key numbers in your losing zone. So if the Pacers do end up winning by one and you're like, well, shit. That's an unlucky turn of events, but over time, you establish these principles, you take the line that holds the most value based on the current numbers, and you will find yourself in a better spot. You are reducing risk by playing the lines closer to plus or minus 100. The Cleveland Cavaliers, I am very excited to see the way this line has moved since I've started this podcast, because these are my biggest bets of the day. Cleveland, league's hottest team in 2024 at home facing the Chicago Bulls who disastrously did nothing at the trade deadline. Did you guys hear that the Warriors like confirmed offered Caruso? Uh, they, They asked for Caruso and they confirmed offered two first round picks and Moody. What are the Bulls doing? How can you not accept that? Caruso's on a $9 million a year contract. He's got one more year on it locked up, and then he goes into unrestricted free agency. So what are you doing? You're keeping Caruso as like a culture element, a culture-based role player in Chicago. That's what they keep saying, culture, culture. We love Caruso's culture fit, okay? Like, hope that he's been there for a year and has helped establish some habits and cultures and helped showed Kobe White the ropes of being a young professional in this league. You're getting two first-round picks and Moses Moody, like someone who showed flashes in the pan and has great length and versatility. Moses Moody's NBA champion like Alex Caruso is. So, like, you're not going to – and you're also – you're not going to get next year when Caruso – let's use the boy on Bogdanovich Pistons thing. What we've learned from the Pistons trading Bogdanovich to the Knicks – is that they shot themselves in the foot by not doing it a year earlier. Because we had the Lakers, we had so many teams clearly offering a first-round pick for Boyan Bogdanovich at last year's deadline. Now, this year's deadline, he gets traded for the Knicks to the Knicks for second-round picks and Evan Fournier. Detroit screwed that one up. Now we're looking at the Bulls and saying Caruso was available for two first-round picks and a young prospect. I guarantee you Caruso's moved at the next deadline or he's just not on the bulls in two years from now. And they do not get that return. I guarantee it. It is a minus 900 in the pricing. It's crazy to me that the bulls held on to Alex Caruso. And he's also pretty injury prone. Anyways, back to this specific game. Um, I'm on the Cavaliers hottest team in the league since 2024 bulls, uh, Banged up with Levine, definitely out. Caruso's questionable. They're just a weak team at this point, and they're going the wrong direction. Uh, I played the Cavaliers at this minus 375. It was previously the best price on the market. And then it dipped a little bit to 350 because Sam Merrill and Darius Garland were put on the questionable list with a, a illness and a hamstring. I think Garland was the illness, Sam Merrill was the hamstring, if I'm correct. And then we also saw the total drop a little bit. Immediately, it's going back up. So my my first reads are that Garland and Merrill are both probably both going to be active. This over is still probably playable at 223. This was one of the strongest bets of my board today. I had the over 221 and a half at Bet Rivers at minus 109. I played it for four units. I whacked it. Took out Thor's hammer, and hit the slam. Uh. It just presented clear value to be able to play back the other side. Now, if this ends up getting to 224 and a half, I'm going to put one or two units back the other direction and try and middle this and ultimately have a big position tilted towards my over with closing line value. That is the goal. That is ultimately the way this is shaping up. I need Garland to be officially activated. And I do think right now, There is ways to go. What I would do right now, if I had no bets on this game, if you didn't see me tweet out these lines last night, because I think it was really late, middle of the night, take the minus 375 Cavs now. I'm still okay with it. And take the over 223 now. I'm still okay with it. But play it for one unit. Don't play it for four units like I did, because you're not going to be able to play it back the other direction at value. Me having a 221 means I'm obtaining 222 and 223 as winning numbers on my ticket that you wouldn't get now. Or you'd have to pay extra for it now in an alt spread. So skip that. You're not going to be able to flip this the other direction and play best numbers against each other. What you are going to be able to do is simply let an over 223 ticket ride. I do definitely think it is the right side. There's clear. Sharp action on the over for this game and on the Cleveland Cavaliers for this game. It has been loud in the market. Market signals have been very clear. And the reason going back to key numbers and Showtime every time says, What's that order again? Five, eight, six, seven. No, seven, five, six, eight, dog. Seven, five, six, eight is the order for the four most common outcomes in NBA games. Seven, five, six, eight. Notice that there's no nine in there. There's no eight and a half. So if I'm taking a spread and it's at minus eight and a half, this would be the time where I say, okay, now you actually do play the money line. Now you actually do buy the insurance points because the insurance points are covering the four most common outcomes in NBA games. I skipped that when we were talking about the Pacers versus Raptors because you're paying for the one, which is the 11th most common outcome and happens 4% of the time. You're paying for the two, which is the eighth most common outcome. These aren't frequent. These aren't ones that we need to play heavily into. But when you have one, two, three, and four, the top four most common outcomes, all right on the opposite side of your line, you're opening up that door for being in a late free throw situation and not getting up to the cover number or not being in a late free throw situation and the Bulls just having an easy backdoor cover. Like, can we all see it now? Cavaliers are up 10. Bulls are walking up the court with nine seconds left and go just lay it in. And it's just a pointless, and it's Alex Caruso of all people. The harmony on what it would be if Caruso backdoor covers. Uh, I'm on the money line and I'm on the over. Big bets, four units over, two units on the money line to win half a unit. It was a I was willing to increase my risk there because I really liked the numbers and the situational spot. Brooklyn and the Celtics are playing in this. I'm getting so many calls. I'm popular right now. Who is it? My birthday? Maybe. Um, oh, my God. I'm not that cool in real life, guys. I'm. I'm trust me, I'm not. Brooklyn Nets at Boston Celtics. Back to back between these two teams. Uh, They just played in Brooklyn, I think, last night. Now they go to Boston to play in this baseball game series. What we've seen in these baseball game, I guess it's not a baseball series because they're not in the same place. But Brooklyn and Boston, quick bus ride, train ride. They they definitely did not even fly, I would imagine, between those two places. Um, Or maybe they did. Maybe they just took like a half hour jet setter. Either way, very light travel going from Brooklyn to Boston. Used to do it all the time myself. Um, when you do see these baseball game series, or when you do see these teams, let's rephrase that when you see these teams playing against one another in such short order like this, whether, whether it be the very next game, the very next day in this case, or they maybe had one other opponent in between, and then they play each other again. We've seen a bunch of that with the new NBA schedule, trying to reduce travel, the, the, Impact in the betting world and in the basketball results world has been mostly splitting of wins. So if Boston won last time, expect Brooklyn to win this time. Don't expect Brooklyn to win this time. Brooklyn sucks. It's just the, the general principle of what we've seen in the past applying it to this situation. Then we'll get into the nuance of what the situation means. We've also generally seen unders in this spot. Why would there be unders? Well just like in a playoff series where you start to learn your opponent and you start to understand their tendencies and you start to know what their first step looks like or where their first dribble or what spot they're trying to get to, then you're better at limiting those things and you and the, and the game scores less points. It becomes more X's and O's. It becomes more strategical. It becomes a higher pick and roll game. Efficiency goes down. Uh, all that being said... Those are general rules to handicap the back-to-back or the two teams facing off in really short order. Applying Nets, Celtics, and these numbers. Celtics are now at home, and they're one of the league's best home teams. They won, what, 21 straight home games to start the season before losing to Denver? That's pretty fucking good. I don't want to play this Brooklyn Nets team that is really bad really bad right now. Disaster shock. Jacques Vaughn hot seat. Like it couldn't even be possibly hotter, but it's so hot that the Nets management is like, we don't even want anyone to fill it. So let's just let Jacques Vaughn burn on his ass for the rest of the year. And then he will go. And then we'll figure out what we do with Mikel Bridges, who apparently is still, everyone's still offering four first round picks for. And do the Nets bring in something or do they Like, apparently, Bridges was rumored to Houston. Both Bridges were rumored to Houston, Miles and McHale. Not related. Um, And apparently, Houston was like, we'll give you all of your picks back. Like, we'll give you everything in the Harden trade back to you that you still owe us in the future, and then some. Maybe it was a Jalen Green or whatever. If you could get some Jabari Smith and some picks back, I don't think that's possible, but the Nets should have done that. Um, The two twenty-eight total? is another stay away from me. It opened 228 and a half. It's flashed to the 227 and a half. It's back up to the 228. This is a settled market. This is met its resistance point. This is very low value. This is, you generally would want to play an over at a 228 with the Boston Celtics at home who can score 130 on any given night. But you also don't want to play into an over on the second leg of a back-to-back. You also don't want to play into an over juice to minus one twelve when it was at two twenty seven at minus one ten. You've lost value there. So a lot of things working on this game where I have no plays, but important to go through the process and explain what do you see when you see these situations on the schedule and how do you play them out in real time. Memphis Grizzlies versus Houston Rockets. Memphis is the sharp side. Memphis has been covering uh, a lot of these games with their depleted team. I. Probably won't play Memphis again for the rest of the season. And then we'll be back on them like wildfire when John Morant returns next season. Uh, Houston Rockets, I just will say, are atrocious on the road. Atrocious on the road. You'd think they're like a young team with a first-year coach or something when that happens. Oh. What do you know? Okay. New Orleans uh, Pelicans at home against the Washington Wizards. The same way that I talked about the 76ers versus um, Heat earlier before and since Embiid has been being injured, um, we've seen all of the totals start to move north. We have the exact opposite happening with the Wizards. It feels like every one of their opening totals moves south and moves towards the under. So it's more just a market read than a basketball read. When I saw this game come online at 237, when I know how Wizards totals have been trending, when I know that this Pelicans team has a lot of defensive weapons um, and they could guard anybody, I was like, this is probably going to start to move south. And then you start to see the 236s, the 2:35.5 start to show up. And you're like, okay, this is definitely correct. The splits are showing strong handle towards the under. We have 61% of the bets, 93% of the money on the under. This is not a basketball read. This is a market read. This is a grab a 237, grab it for two units, and see if we could play this back the other direction, or maybe you just let it rock. But just remember, Washington Wizards' unders, if you're able to grab an opening number, have been reliable recently. I will make sure... To come back on a future pod and say, forget that, like earlier in this pod, I said it was 76ers overs, but it's been priced out. Eventually, this will be priced out. Maybe it is after the All-Star break. We're starting to see 230.5s show up for a Wizards total. And you're like, OK, that's where it should be. The Wizards are playing with incredible pace right now. It's, the pace is insane out of the Wizards. It's the efficiency that's dreadful. So they're going to be playing more of their young pieces. I expect pace to slow down a little bit. They also have a new coach. They moved Unseld. They did the uh, Brad Stevens trick. We're gonna we're gonna promote you to the front office. Brad Stevens became the best GM in the NBA. We'll see what Unseld Jr. can do. Um, new coach, and they're going to be playing even more young players. So I expect pace and efficiency to both decrease moving forward for the Wizards after the break. I expect to be able to look at a bunch of their unders moving forward. I am already on their under. I think you could get 235 somewhere. Let me find the best number if you haven't already bet it yet. Are you kidding me? Hold on. Oh, wow. That's an alt spread. Okay. No, it's 234 universally. Okay, never mind. DraftKings just moved it down. Sorry about that. If you want to play it, you can play it for a small pizza. But if you have three points behind the opening line, you've lost a lot of value. Uh, buh, buh, buh. What's the last one that we need to talk about? Pistons, Suns. This is a double back to back. I want to skip it. I have no bets. Beal got hurt. Detroit's traveling from LA to Phoenix, short trip. Uh, it's been hovering around 13, 13 and a half the whole time. 13 and a half at minus 110 versus 13 at minus 114, basically the same thing. You're paying four extra cents for that point. So it's pretty much the same value obtained, even though the line is slightly different. It doesn't tell much of a different story. It doesn't give you an indicator into where this line is going to go. It, it just splits related. Maybe they were bringing in Detroit money on the 13.5. So they move it to 13. They juice it because no smart better likes to bet big bucks on something priced over 110. They do like to hit lines on under minus 110. Low vig gives the the sharps uh, a hard on. Uh, so at minus 106 at minus 13, they're clearly inviting some Phoenix suns money into the market. Kind of think that's the right side. Kind of do I'm skipping it though. Uh, LeBron is out for the Jazz. I'm going to do a little post about LeBron's 40K on my Twitter this afternoon. I absolutely cornered that market of LeBron 40K, grabbing the after 220, 220, on or after 229 against the Wizards. 15 days from now, LeBron will have 40K. Uh, and then I grabbed the two dates prior to 228 and 225 at crazy plus odds. So I basically cornered the market. Now that LeBron had 25 points last night on the 13th and now is out on the 14th it is a foregone conclusion that I have won that over6 thousand dollar position that I tweeted out and I never tweet out bet slips I do I, I never do I fucking hate it I think it's low form of engagement to show that you bet a lot of money on something but every once in a while um, when you have a really strong position, It becomes more about, for me, it was more about emphasizing how strongly I felt about putting yourself in a situation where you could return this. And on my last show, I talked about NFL futures just returning and not having Sunday bets, not having Thursday bets, not having a Monday night bet. I am now only in NBA mode. I do not bet baseball coming around the corner. I do not have MLB futures. I do not bet March Madness. I do not bet, like, there's nothing. It's NBA and NFL for me. So my bankroll is very liquid right now. So I had the position to be able to put a few thousand dollars into a LeBron 40K that was going to matriculate in a few weeks. The point of me posting that bet slip was to show sometimes it's not about units. Like I could have said, put six units on this. Like, okay, you understand that I feel strongly. If you see a ticket where I put $5,000 on it, I hope that holds a little more weight. Now, maybe I'm bugging. Now, all you, uh, what, was it, what was I going to say? Investigators can try and figure out how many units $5,000 was for me. Good luck. Um, the last one I want to talk about is Clippers Warriors. I got Fucked. I bet Clippers minus 1.5 when the line first dropped. I bet it for a unit and a half. And what was it like four minutes later? Kawhi out. Line gone. And when that happens, when a line moves hard against you, right? I've talked about playing back the over. I mean the uh the under for the, the Cavaliers game right here. I've talked about playing back the over for the Wizards Pelicans game right here. This is a situation where I am now four and a half points behind the line there is i can only open a polish middle which means there's numbers that i would lose both on if i wanted to open up that ticket or i could pay drastically for a hedge to get an alt spread of warriors plus 1.5 those are brutally miserable options if i open a polish middle where i could lose both i leave myself very vulnerable to it and I know it's not key numbers that it's, we're doing this through because we've mentioned key numbers a lot on this podcast, but that's just not happening. I'm not doing that. Uh, that's that's like real rolling the dice levels of gambling to say I'm just gonna just gonna hope that this doesn't land on, on one, two, or three. No, uh, what you do, do is take a math approach and you say, okay, I understand I'm four and a half points behind the line. And I understand this probably means this bet now, Clippers minus uh 1.5, let's see, the plus 124. We could literally do the math. Plus 124 would be a 44.6% chance to win. Then we know the one is a 4% chance outcome, but the one on the favorite side is a little more likely to happen, right? Because the 1 is a 4% chance to happen on either winner. So for the favorite to win, the Warriors in this case, the 1 would be a little bit more likely. So now I'm thinking, what's the chance of a Clippers landing at 1? And it's, uh, what, maybe a little sub 2% of that 4%? So it's, the money line is a 44% implied probability but then I'm losing the, the one here, which maybe is a two and a half percent situation. So I'm now at 44.6 minus uh, a quarter of a percentage point. So I'm now at 42.1% chance that the Clippers cover minus 1.5. Now I should have definitely pre-prepared that math and made it way easier than me just doing it live and with numbers in my own head. But the basic point comes down to this. I've come to the, the assumption that my Clippers minus 1.5 ticket has a 42% chance to win, right? So should I go and do anything that's going to cost me a 10% hedge or a you know 12% buy off taking an alt line? Or opening a Polish middle where there's a 5% implied that I could lose all of it. Those things aren't worth it. So for me, when a line has moved against you, it's a shitty situation to be in. You do not want to find yourself in these situations, but they happen. I know I had to pick off good numbers so many places on the board. What I don't know is Kawhi's cell phone number. To be able to ask him. If he's good to go tomorrow. So shit happens. We're we're literally gambling. On humans. Throwing around. An inflatable piece of rubber. Through metal rings. Yeah. So weird shit happens. When you include those variables. Now these are the most high caliber. Athletes in the world. There's referees. There's a clear rule system. There's. Uh, a stable level of physics to the ball and the metal rings and the rubber and all that stuff. So there's it's more predictable than what it really sounds like. However, it does get wonky. So if you're setting yourself up in a position to win 42% of the time, but you're going to cost yourself more than a 10% uh, tax to, to get off of it, yes, in the short term, you might only pay 10%. You might only lose a, a a tenth of a unit if you bet one unit. I bet 1.5. So I might only lose a fifteenth of a unit in working off and saving myself and opening a Polish middle and getting lucky. However, long-term, that will kill you. In a one-off sample size, sure, I might reduce my loss. I might even win tonight. I might get lucky and win tonight. There's a 42% chance I just get lucky and win. And it's my birthday. So maybe the gambling odds are on my side. So... We need to take all these things into account and just do what the numbers say that we should do. I don't think that was very well explained, but we're 50 minutes into the pod. I've been talking to myself for a while. My dog's looking at me like, can we get outside? And uh, yeah, I think that's going to wrap us up for today. I was going to tell a cool Maverick Spurs story. So if you want to hear it, remind me to tell it on the pod next time. It was the story of the first time that I know that I moved a line. Uh, yeah, we'll tell that story next time. Thank you all for tuning in. Good luck today. Tell your loved ones that you love them. And of course, celebrate Valentine's Day tomorrow. Because we got to be married to the game. We got a 13-game uh, slate tonight. We got... Uh, Six or seven best bets. I got over 11 units on the line. Probably going to play it back. So I'll have more exposure total. Obviously less risk. And then we go out tomorrow for a great sushi meal. Not at pre menu. Not at pre prices. With nobody else in the restaurant. It's so much better that way. We go, we go buy the chocolate at 50% reduction. We go buy the teddy bear at 75% off. It is the greatest gift to be able to celebrate Valentine's Day on the 15th. I need to go call back the people that called me. Uh, Again, I am pretty fucking cool, but I ain't that cool to be getting multiple phone calls every half hour. I'm not that important. Maybe one day. Thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate everyone that has been listening to my podcast. It has been growing exponentially. Uh, Every single time I release a new episode. It becomes in the top five episodes I've ever released. All of my, like, I'm really appreciative of you guys for tuning in and supporting my work. I'm humbled. I'm grateful. I'm just getting started. I feel like 32 has been, uh, or 31 was a bit reflective for me as a year where I realized I have settled into doing the right thing. Uh, I have been doing this for a while, but I am now doing this solely and fully as my only work and my only streams of income. So uh, it feels really good to have gotten to this point where I think I I work really hard, but I can do it on my own time, on my own schedule, in a way that supports my strength as an individual. So I'm really happy right now. Proud of myself that I've gotten there. Really appreciative of all you who have supported me in this journey. And we're just getting started being the sports book's worst enemy. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Go check out my Substack .substack fiddlespicks.substack.com. Follow me on Twitter. Go check out FBI. And as always, peace out.